thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. Just going to all sit down. Kerry Louise is coming first. Let's give her a wee round of applause and encourage her. <clears throat> It's just one, one song, yeah. One, yeah, so just going to sing one song and then we'll hand over to Pastor Paul. He'll take it from there. Okay, thank you. God this bless. It's very strange for me because anytime I've been here, it's been dad, so it's a bit weird being on the other side. But Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord God is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes, him, who takes refuge in him. Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And God is good. And what good father wouldn't want to give good gifts to his kids? You see, God, he always sees the bigger picture. He knows what he is doing. His ways are not our own. And we don't know best, but God does. And the very fact that we have breath in our lungs today is God's goodness. The fact that you have a church to go to, that you have other believers to sit with, that is God's goodness. And if you love and follow Jesus, that is God's goodness. And I was thinking that if God never did another thing for me, he would still be good. So we're going to sing this song over you. And um, I was thinking how it's easy to know to pray and to ask God to move and ask God to come and and that's really great and we should do that but I want this just to be a moment of thankfulness and a moment of gratitude just to reflect on the things that God has done in your life and for the goodness that he has given to you. So oh. 
Thanks so much, guys, for, for coming up, for spending the weekend with us. Carrie Louise, we'll kick off with you then. Um, what's your earliest memory of how wonderful and awesome your dad was? <laughs> okay, you're not even going to answer that. We know that you're getting married soon. Tell us how you met and about the Hoover. <laughs> I wouldn't be a part of the family if I didn't crack a joke. Um, so the first time that, that mum and dad met Nathan... Nathan was hoovering, and I've never seen Nathan with a hoover since, so I'm really joking, I actually have seen a hoover, um, but yes, you're probably thinking, um, how did a little, or a wee northern girl meet um, a Dublin lad, um, but yeah, um, my heart for mission, which I'll talk about later, um, I felt God called me to Dublin just over three years now, probably going into our fourth year. Um, so anyway, long story short, I left my job, moved out of mum and dad's house, um, and then COVID hit. Uh, but I joined uh, St. Mark's Church in Dublin City Centre. Um, and while I was serving in church up here, I was part of the youth team. So um, automatically, I just wanted to serve in youth in St. Mark's in Dublin. Um, and little did I know that Nathan was helping out. Um, no, I thought we were just friends. I thought, like, you know, we were just having good crack and, that, like, he's funny, but um, it turns out that like, he actually did like me. Um, What's not to like? <laughs> but uh, truth be told, I didn't really make it easy. Um, he had texted me at Christmas time, 2020. I don't even know what year it is. 20. I know more about this. I know he does. 2021 saying happy Christmas and good old me didn't even reply to him and that's not me if you text me usually at least like a message that was not intentional so then again he texted in April and um I very kindly said no um, <laughs> um but then eventually three weeks later then I text him and um think you were praying and fasting for that text um but yeah uh, we met up and um we literally, before we talked about anything else, we talked about where we wanted God to lead us and what we felt like God was saying for us individually before we got together. And here we are today, engaged and getting married in October. So that's very, very long story short. So you didn't really say a lot about the Hoover. So the first time that we were down in St. Mark's, it might have been the second time, but we were aware that there was this guy who kind of had a wee notion of you. So I think we were, after the service, we, mum and I were 
um, at the front, maybe talking to Sean or Des, one of the senior pastors. And this young lad just happened to be, you know, kind of just, you know, in your peripheral vision, kind of hoovering, but not in the way that, you know, not a proper hoovering, just like a... You know the way Mark the other day when he was preaching, he was saying that people, you know, like Nathan was just like... So that was kind of the story behind that. So, uh, Nathan, on to you. You were brought up in inner city Dublin. What was that like for you, apart from the hoovering, of course? First of all, do you mind if I just read a little scripture? Um, that's just on my heart, just in the middle of worship. I just, I just got this sense of really, like, welcome and welcoming. And I think so often you can come to church and you could get lost. But I really got, felt the scripture in my heart. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God in um, Romans 15. But yeah, I just really feel really welcome. So thank you guys for that. You are a blessing. Um, but yeah, I, di- I think I didn't understand how rough and tough Dublin actually really was until I was at an age where I was responsible to um, do things myself and actually see like what it truly was like and see the like the the um the outskirts of it. My mom really played played a big part in I'd say protecting me from the world until I was at a proper age where as I said could could, could go out and actually see what the world was like and how it could hurt you and actually take everything from you in a moment and make and um and make you someone that maybe you're not even supposed to be. And um, my my parents did really play a huge part in keeping me and my brother safe um, from the world and to not be dragged into it. Even in my early teenage years, all around my earlier was drugs, drugs, crime, stabbings, anything you can think of. You would just be constantly hearing it. Like you'd be afraid to leave your door because you think something's out there happening. Um, but credit to my mom, she really kept me from all of it and she kept me away from all of it. And in the time you're like, I just want to go out and I just want to hang out with my mates. I just want to go out onto the streets and be with my friends. But my mom's really spiritual. And I obviously didn't understand that at a young age. But now, looking back, I can understand that, like, okay, mom, I get you. You were keeping me safe. You were keeping me from all these things that were trying to drag me away from the plan God had for me. And you were trying to keep me and, and press me into what God had for me. Um, yeah, so she protected me. She would never let me hang around on the streets even when I wanted to be out with friends. <laughs> um, and now I get it. I understand why. Because all those friends who done that, who hung around streets, are now in really bad positions in life. Like, we're talking about prison. We're talking about owing a lot, a lot of money out to bad people. I was on a train the other day, and I was coming out to Carrie Louise, and the train was packed, and a guy from my school stepped down beside me on a really, really packed train. And he turned around to me and he said, Nathan, how are you? I was like, oh, how are you, man? I haven't seen you in a long time. And he said to me, oh, I'm in a bad way. I was like, why? He was like, I owe out 120,000 worth of cocaine. Okay. I was like, wow, <laughs> where do we go from here? I'm going out to look at apartments with my fiance. And he's telling me, about something that could have been me, but my mom decided to keep me from it. And I didn't understand in that space and in that time what she was really doing. But in that moment, it was all just really revealed to me that that could have been me. I could have been that guy. I could have went down that path. I could have went down that lane. But my mom kept me from it. And yeah, it just really, really stood out to me in that moment that it was all worth it. The nights I had to be in for 8 o'clock while other people weren't coming home till half 12 at night. I understand now. 
I understand why my mom had us pray before bed. I understand why she taught me about trials and tribulations. I understand. Um, but yeah, Dublin really consists of a lot of people who, and a lot of younger people who really want to be drug dealers. And that's what the area was. Um, it was really becoming that, and it was just all around us. So I think the more I think of it, the more I know I was protected from the streets and the violence of it until I was old enough to choose. But now I see it all, and now... I choose Jesus for me. And at one stage, it was my mom kind of choosing Jesus for me. But when you get to a certain age, you have to make your own choice. And now I choose Jesus for me. I choose to go after Jesus. I choose to live for Jesus. I choose to go after Jesus. Um, because Jesus can bring hope to hopeless situations. And Jesus can bring hope to these guys who are in a mess. And he uses people like us. So yeah, that's what really Dublin was like. I don't think I really understood what it was like till I was at an age like now, where I can look and be like, okay, now I know why I was being protected from it. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? You know, the, the prayers and the influence of parents, but a mother in particular, I don't think there's anything like a mother's love. Um, Carol Louise, your upbringing is very different because you came from a, a wee provincial town, Porty Down, as we would call it. Um, so how did you get to know Jesus as your personal saviour? Um, yeah, so... Obviously, it was brought up by very great parents. Um, I don't just say that because I'm on stage, but I do have very great parents, and I suppose more that I see it, I see how privileged I was. Um, but yeah, as Nathan said, you know, there's a difference between you finding Jesus for yourself and um, you know coming to church with your parents. Like, there's a difference in that, and I suppose there's this difference between accepting Jesus and following Jesus. Um, like, accepting is your you know your decision to follow Him, but um, following him is your process and I've learned over the last few years that there is a difference um, so for me um, it's actually funny because mum was sharing her testimony and I didn't realize that our testimonies were very similar um, but it was when I was around 10 years old and when my nanny so it would have been mum's mum she passed away and I remember just thinking like I want to see her again like I knew she loved Jesus and I didn't know how I was going to get to see her but like I knew she had this faith and um yeah that night I just recognized that you know the only way that I can get to see her again is through Jesus and I had recognized that I wasn't perfect and um that when I had forgiven my sins that Jesus would accept me and that one day I would see her in glory um but yeah I I always loved Jesus um but I never really like thought or took much notice of him other than church. And I suppose you could call it like a Sunday faith. Um, it was more of a routine rather than a relationship. And my journey with Jesus began, uh, so yeah, my journey of following Jesus, I suppose that was the moment that I accepted. And then my journey of following Jesus began about six or seven years ago. It could be slightly longer actually. Um, when I started going to youth in Portadown, Elam. Um, and Rebecca and Zach, you were here last week. So Rebecca, um, like she's so great. She texts me every, so we were actually in the same, studying the same uh, school together. We were studying childcare and every single Saturday night she would text me like, are you coming to youth? Are you coming to youth? And every week I just, just felt bad. So I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming. And then like 10 minutes before you start, oh, I'm really tired, like I'm not coming. But fair play to that girl. Every single week she texts me. Um, and I eventually gave in. I don't know if it was more just because she was getting on my nerves texting so much or I was like, I just want her to stop texting. But anyway, whatever it was, it worked. Um, so yeah, I, I, I gave in. Um, 
But I was kind of happy just doing my own thing. Um, like, I'm not, like, mum and dad actually said that I was the best child growing up, so I know Rebecca and Rianne's not here, so. Um, but I didn't cause much trouble. They're, excuse me, they're listening on Zoom. Okay. Well, look, I didn't cause much trouble. Um, but, yeah, I just kind of got on with life. And um, I suppose as I stayed at youth and each week, um, it kind of became, like, my Christian safe place, like, I find really deeply rooted friends who really love Jesus. Um, I find people who really like pursued him and knew what it was like to follow him. Um, and yeah, from here on in then, that's kind of how my journey of being shaped and molded. Um, it was kind of like my building ground and my foundation. So, yeah. Lovely. <clears throat> Thank you. I think I did mention when Rebecca and Zach were here, if, if any of you... Um, heard them that night that Rebecca had been a really great influence upon Carrie Louise. And, you know, whatever age we are, um, you know, a little text, a little message, a phone call, um, you know, can we meet up for coffee? Or it doesn't need to be spiritual. In fact, sometimes the, the least spiritual approach can be the best. Don't ever underestimate keeping in touch with people, even if it feels as if nothing's happening. Uh, thank you so much for that, uh, Carrie Louise. Um, Nate, as I think your mom calls you. So your mom and dad are both Christians, as we know. Can you tell us a little bit about your dad's story? Now, I don't, I don't want you to obviously tell your dad's testimony because I think at some stage we will get him up, but he's, he's some man for one man. Uh, but can you tell us, please, how your dad's story um, influenced you in making your decision for Jesus. Thank you. Um, first of all, can everybody understand me? <laughs> yeah? Mom's so tense. There's no way you can get married. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> um, so yes, um, yeah, Dad's story is crazy. Um, as Paul said, but I won't get into all of it. I'll give you a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, Dad was probably um, one of the best footballers to actually come out of the area where we live. People still come up to me this day and tell me how good he was and that he could have went all the way to the top. But then we have, as I was talking about earlier, we have drugs, we have violence, we have the wrong crowd, we have wrong choices, we have bad decisions, we have all that sort of stuff that kind of sometimes, as I said, gets in the way of where you're supposed to go. Um, but yeah, he chose the wrong path and ended up in and out of prison from an early age in his life, from the ages of 14 and up. It went from football scouts knocking at his door in the middle of the night trying to persuade him to join, his cl join their club and go ab uh, abroad to policemen and police, uh, police um, vans raiding in um, his house. Um, but yeah, my dad became a heroin addict um, at an early age and one of the biggest drug addicts and drug dealers to come out of in our city, Dublin. And one day he was in this woman's house um, about to overdose on heroin and this woman told him that Jesus loved him and had a plan for his life. Guys, if I could encourage you to do one thing today is just tell people Jesus loves them. It's so crucial. Changes everything. Changes anything. Anyone's situation, anyone's circumstance. Just give them hope. Let them know Jesus loves them. Um, and long story short, he got away for treatment. He went to Scotland, he went abroad, and got set free by the Lord, absolutely, completely, like, like completely set free. And now in the same area where he sold drugs and done it all and done his crime, he actually just preaches the gospel and 
He's nearly 30 years clean. He went from a criminal to um, an evangelist. He went from a hopeless case to a hope-given man. Um, you see, Dad made the wrong choices, but he has helped me make the right ones by his mistakes. It says in Romans 8:28, and we know that to them that love God, all things work together for good, even to them that are called according to his purpose. You see, if Dad went abroad and played football, he wouldn't have met my mom and me and my brother wouldn't have been born. He made the wrong choices and God turns all around for his good and for his glory. Even when it looks like a mess, even when it looks like there's no hope, Jesus can turn any situation on his head and turn it around. And then you'll look back in a long time, you'll be like, flip, God, you've really done that. He's a really, he's a miracle working God, guys. Um, but I think for me, it was a mix of emotions because in my area, everyone knows my dad. So people had this expectation that I would end up taking the path he took or be similar to what he was like, as in a good footballer or maybe even an addict. And there was a choice to do that because all the people I went to school with are either selling drugs or about to be locked up for selling them. But Jesus kept me, as I said earlier. It's about choice. It's about choosing Jesus. It's about something personal for yourself. It's about ultimately Jesus. And that's what I've done. That's the place I had to come to where I would choose Jesus for me, not because my mom and dad were leading somewhere, not because my mom and dad were picking Jesus for me, but because I had to have a personal relationship with Jesus um, and I think it comes to that choice. Um, and he saved me from it all. It took me surrendering my whole life to Jesus and giving him every ounce of my breath to get to this place where we are now. Um, we can't be in this part-time. We really have to go after God full-time. We really do. But yeah, it's been a journey. But um, it has to become your personal choice. And it became my personal choice to follow Jesus. Um, but honestly, guys, I know I said it earlier, my mom is really my hero She's an incredible woman of God. She's faithful. She's very spiritual, but in a very good and wise way because it has me where I am today. And um, she's discipled me and made me into the man I am today. So, yeah. You can't be a part-time Christian. Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, does your mom still want you home for 8 o'clock? 20 past. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a wee bit of leeway there. Uh, Kip, tell us about your heart for missions. Obviously, Mum and me and, and Nathan know it so well, but for the congregation here tonight, um, you have a big, big heart for missions, So, and you've done mission trips from quite an early age, so can you expand a wee bit upon that, please? Um, yeah, so I said earlier, um, I've always loved missions, and I kind of explain missions as just being like a part of my DNA, like it's just who God created me to be, it's not something that I just like got one day, like I feel like it's kind of the person that I was like born to be, I suppose. Um, but yeah, from a very early age, I knew that that here wouldn't be at my home, um, as in like ported on with mum and dad. Like I, I knew that that area wasn't going to be my home. And obviously we know like heaven is our home and this life, as Nathan said, it's temporary, you know, it's only a vapour. But um, I knew that I would move away somewhere and I knew that my home would be somewhere else, that it would look different for my life. But um, I wasn't 100% sure where that would be. I mean, I still, we still don't. But um, yeah, we don't know if it's going to be like in Ireland or Dublin or somewhere afar. But um, we've always said that, well, I've always said, and thankfully God gave me some of the same heart, but we've uh, said that wherever we would go, that um, when God calls, our answer would always be yes, and that we would always be obedient, no matter what that looks like or what we have to sacrifice for that. Like, 
that's who we want to be. Um, we want to be the feet that carry good news. Um, so yeah, as I said, that was the first thing that we talked about on our first date. So my first mission trip was when I was 16. Um, and it was to Africa. Um, I went to Uganda with an organization called Abana. They're actually an organization in Bangor. Um, but we helped with some street kids and it was my first uh, mission trip. So it was like very eye-opening, like all of these thoughts and pictures that I had in my head, like it was a reality. Um, and yeah, it, it showed the need, but it also really showed me that God was moving in other parts of the world too. Um, my second mission trip was when I was 17. And again, it was to Africa. Um, and it was actually, it was my first, uh, well, and it was my second mission trip, but this time I flew out on my own. Um, and if you know me, I am not good with directions. And there's a long story to that that dad will probably tell you someday. But anyway, um, I went to Zambia uh, with a couple, or to a couple called Nikki and Zizou. Um, they're in Elam as well. Um, they're a missionary couple. Um, and they work with kids uh, in an orphanage and a school out there. Um, and it's mad because obviously it was my first mission trip, like traveling on my own. And I was a bit nervous about that. And I remember I was standing in the line to like get my boarding pass checked in. And I literally turned around. And lo and behold, there was mum's like friends from back in the day that we would have grew up on the caravan side. And there she was leading another group behind me on the same plane. Um, so that was just mad. Um, and then I've also went to mission trips to Greece and um, we worked with refugees, street kids, we helped give out food. Um, and yeah, that was slightly different because it wasn't in Africa. Um, and that would just break your heart. Um, we went to Athens and I suppose Athens would have been like, you know, the big holiday place. And then with the whole refugee crisis, lots of people fled there. And there's literally just like kids and parents in this drug park and there's these needles just lying everywhere and we we're handing out food and it was so strange because the parents were like oh no no they don't need food but yet like their kids are so thin and so like under malnourished and they're like no they don't need food and you're like no like they do but it really broke my heart and then um, just different mission trips in Ireland um, and yeah your mission feels also where you are too so but yeah yeah, that, I think that was a scary one for you and me, Esther, wasn't it? At 17 years of age, Carrie Louise, like, she's quite a determined young girl. Uh, and uh, to bring her down to, to Dublin Airport, as it happened to be, and, yeah, within two minutes of standing in that line to see uh, a husband and wife, a Christian couple. So she flew out with them. That was just God's providence and protection, which was um, fantastic. So, you know, your, your kind of your latest mission trip is bagged you a boyfriend, so it's not doing too bad, sure it's not. So, Nate, I'm asking for a friend here. Um, you guys are getting married later in the year. Have you everything sorted for the wedding? Yes, we do indeed. Carrie Louise has had everything sorted since our first date, actually. <laughs> She's had everything planned since our first date. <laughs> um, no, for, first of all, yeah, we do. Um, we have our venue booked. It's um, quite exciting. We went out a few weeks ago just to have a look at it, and Carrie Louise had, been, had, had known what it was like, but I didn't, and I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of like, yes, let's go, but deep down I didn't know like, if I really loved it, but we went, and it was really special, and it was a really special day, and it was just so surreal. Um, but like, not to get like, over-spiritual, like, I'm just blessed that God's given me a woman who loves, loves Jesus so much. Like, 
in an unconditional way. Like you see her serving on the stage, even at church back in Dublin, she'll serve on the stage and she'll worship and she'll preach, but you'll see her on the street doing it as well with people. You'll see her pouring into people. You'll see her, like last week we were in St. Mark's and a woman came to church and she had no English and she rang the buzzer and me and a few other guys didn't understand a word she was saying. We are like, we're so sorry, we can't help you. We'll try ring someone who can speak Portuguese to help you. And um, Carrie Louise comes in and she says, no, I can do it. I was like, you're Carrie Louise, you can't speak Portuguese. Um, boy went in to make a cup of coffee and I came back out and Carrie Louise was just sitting there pouring into a woman who was crying, who was breaking down, who I didn't have another, I, I really didn't have a clue what was going on in her life, but she, like she was had a she's had a hard life. She was going through tough moments, but Kylie just sat there and poured into her and just told her she was loved and told her that God had a plan for her life. And yeah, I'm just really blessed that Jesus has given me someone that really, really loves Him and that goes after Him no matter what it looks like or what it costs. She's so willing and she's so available. So yeah, I feel blessed. Um, I'm excited. It's a big year. Um, the conversation with Paul went well first because there was another yes as well. <laughs> <laughs> Two yeses. <laughs> um, but yeah, all going good. Um, exciting times. On that point, um, so Kerry Louise and Esther and Rhiannon went to London. Uh, how long are you guys engaged? Six, six or seven, you know, that we don't even know now. Um, so they went to London for a weekend. And of course, I get a wee text from Nathan. All, all texts are not, you know, anyhow. Uh, Paul, Paul. I could come up and get a wee coffee with you. This is by text, so you know that's the accent on the text. Uh, I could get the train up and, and have a wee coffee with you on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, sure. What time, Nathan? Uh, well, I'm working the one. I'll get the train. I'll see you at three o'clock in Portadown. We'll go to the Faith Mission bookshop. Fine, yeah. See you at the train station. I'm thinking, he, he's not coming up just for a coffee. You know, like nobody loves coffee more than me, but you don't get on the train. How long will it take, Mark? An hour and a half? You're a Translink man. Aye, well, you go first class, of course, you and Yvonne, don't you? That's the perks of the job. So, um, yeah, uh, and uh, in fairness to him, I'm going to blow his head up here. Um, and he is four years younger than Carrie Louise, almost, well, three. Um, and for the first hour, we just talked. We just talked. Uh, lovely conversation. I knew rightly what he was up about. But in fairness, like, you know, he wasn't nervous. He was very mature, very sensible. And then he says, I'm sure you know why I'm up. I says, yeah, I'm sure I do know. So anyhow, uh, that, that was that. And he did. He, he, got, he got an easy yes. But I mean, the bat's always here and it's going to stay here. So, uh, Kip, um, tell us what you're doing in Dublin. Uh, a little bit about your work. Um, and, and also with the church. Uh, I'm just going to interject here. Um, Carrie Louise might not tell you this, but um, where she works, um, a lot of shift work and all, and when Carrie Louise first went down, which was three years ago, basically to, to get the work that she needed and, and to get enough money to pay rent and just live, um, she had to take a lot of shifts, and sometimes that interfered with church. Sometimes that interfered with youth meetings and different things. And Carrie Louise... I don't know how many months ago, uh, she wouldn't tell you this, but she basically um, gave up her contracted job to go freelance, if that is the right way, just to work through like agencies and what have you, so that she could put church first and then fit her work in between that. 
Now, that's some sacrifice. Uh, thank you for honoring God that way. So can you tell us a wee bit about what you do? Thank you. Um, yeah, so I love my job. Um, I work for Praxis Care. Um, there's actually Praxis Care in the north as well. Um, so I work with uh, adults and children who have intellectual disabilities and autism. Um, some of them have challenging behaviour, but I absolutely love it. And it's funny because I always, whenever I uh, first went to college, I um, wanted to work with kids. That's what I was originally doing when I was uh, living here. And I was like, I never work with anyone older than kids. Now I work with like people in their teens and 40s and 50 year olds. Um, but yeah, um, I... Uh, it's also mad because our job on our house, we got both within two weeks in the like the same town, which was just mad and was just God too. Um, but yeah, um, I love that. And as dad said, yeah, I was full time and then I went relief. And, and I just, yeah, I felt like work was coming above church and I never want to serve work more than I serve Jesus. Like that's never going to be an option for me. Um, and I never want to be the one that would sacrifice Jesus because at the end of the day, we all hold an account to our life and I don't want my excuse to be, oh, I just, you know, was working, paying the bills. Like, there's no excuse that will be justifiable before God on that day. Anyway, that was not in my notes. But, um, yeah, uh, we are part of St. Mark's, um, which I've said. So I'm part of uh, the worship team. Um, we're on the youth team and we also serve in our young adults. So um, we also just recently um, have started a church plant in Balbriggan, uh, which is where I'm living and hopefully we'll be living too when we get married. Um, but I don't think it's coincidence that God put us in one of the youngest towns in Ireland. Um, and I think it might be the youngest town in Europe as well. The amount of young people there is crazy. Like it's really mad. Um, so, yeah, we are planting there, and God's doing lots of really, really um, crazy things there. And um, so that's really special. So it's a very busy life, but uh, I wouldn't change any of it, apart from maybe having a few more days in the week. But, yeah, that's life. Great. Thank you. Uh, three more questions, folks. Um, so, Nathan, you're a busy man at the moment uh, with tons of things going on. But could you please tell us about the two main things that you're engaged in just currently within church? Because, again, you have sacrificed. I know that you've dropped a day in your work as well. So can you just tell the folks about that? Yes. Yeah, so I was working five days a week. And now I'm working two. Uh, Carrie Louise is a perfect example of how you sacrifice um, work for church because I didn't have any really examples of that. So. She really helped me with that as well. But yeah, I'm doing um, um, a course called the Academy, which is ministry and leadership training. That's every Thursday from 10 o'clock to half three. That's Wednesday. Oh, Thursday. 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 That's Thursday. Okay. Church. Church. Um, but yeah, so that's from 10 a.m. to half three. And that's just different leaders from all over Ireland, all over Dublin coming in pouring into you, different modules, different assignments, um, New Testament, Old Testament, discipleship, church growth, just everything you can think of um, throughout the year from September all the way through to May. Um, I'll be doing two years of that and then I will go into my second year of Bible college. Um, and then I'm also doing an internship which is all day Wednesday and all day Friday from 10am to after our young adults and after our youth which is maybe about 10pm. Um, that's just leaders in our church just pouring into you, teaching you how to 
prepare, teaching you how to serve, stuff like that, and just being very practical and getting into our local schools and um, just pouring into the teenagers in the area and going into the after schools and just trying to build relationships so you can um, let them know that we have a youth to bring them in because um, I do believe that this is a generation that needs to know Jesus. So, yeah, it's busy, but it's a lot of growth and it's a lot of serving, but I wouldn't change it because I feel like this is what I'm called to do. Yes, thank you. Uh, Kip, last question for you. What do you feel that God is saying to you at the moment, uh, apart from getting married, of course? Yes. Um, yeah, we're very excited to get married. Um, we're very excited to serve Jesus together, um, whatever that looks like. And he's already been so good and showed his faithfulness to us. But, yeah, I was sitting in a coffee shop the other day in Dublin, and sometimes, like, the house is busy and you can get distracted or else just, like, watch Netflix and be lazy. So I was like, right, I'm going to go out. I'm just going to go to a coffee shop, going to read my Bible for a bit. And I was reading that verse about the harvest is plentiful or the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I just felt like God was saying, like, the harvest is hungry. Um, and as much as the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, I used to focus so much on the harvest being, like, so plentiful. And I was like, but it's so much. And I used to get so overwhelmed at that. And I kind of, like, was like, but, like, the harvest is so much and the workers are so few, so how is this even going to work? And I don't know if you ever gone around with God, but these are all probably holier than me. But I definitely go on rants with God. And I was like, how does this even work? Like, the workers are so few and the harvest is so plentiful. And, like, we can't do this on our own and blah, blah, blah. Um, and when I came back from my first mission trip, um, I was just like, I can't help anyone. So like, or I can't help everyone. So like, what's the point in even helping one person? Because I'm not going to reach everyone. Um, and I was on this rant and I was so consumed by like the severity of the need and the severity of like the 99 that I forgot about the one. And the reality is that Jesus calls us to the one. And there's something so like simple and beautiful about the one and, um, I was just thinking how, like, I was once the one for someone, you know, I, I was the one for God, and um, he brings people in your life, you know, that look after the one, and I wouldn't be here today if it, if it wasn't for that, um, and I don't know if you're ever walking down the street, or you're, like, walking down a coffee shop, and you're not, like, hungry or thirsty, but whenever you start to, like, smell something, you're like, oh, I suddenly want a coffee, or, like, I suddenly want that lovely croissant that's in the window, Um and you don't really like feel hungry until you smell food. And the reality is that, especially in Ireland, and I know here too, like people are really, really hungry and uh, people really want Jesus. And I think sometimes they just don't know that it's him, but they really want him. And um, I've seen God move in so many ways that we're here all night telling you, but between like being able to pray for Muslim people and being able to pray for people's healings and work and in school, um, but yeah, don't get so caught up in the need that you forget the purpose of the call because it can be very easy to focus on the 99 and, and forget about the one. And um, I wasn't actually planning on doing this, but I have to honour like, you know, dad and mum was up for it as well because they are so good and so pastoral. And that's one thing that I have really learnt off them is that they really care for the one. You know, they don't just say that like, if you need them, like they will be there for you. Um, so thank you for even showing me that. Um, but yeah, don't get so caught up in the 99 that you forget about the one. Thank you. Um, last question then of the night. Um, you're young, as, as we know, you're 20, is that right? Yeah. Um, but if you had to give everyone here one piece of advice regarding their walk mm. with God, what would that piece of advice be? 
don't be afraid. Um, for so many years I was caught up in like, what if it doesn't work out or what if that person doesn't be healed or this and that. I'm just like, don't be afraid. The more we go after Jesus, the more we will see him. The more we step into circumstances and situations with faith, the more we will see. So what I would encourage everyone here today is just go after Jesus, no matter what it costs, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the sacrifice is. Everybody has a role to play and everybody has something to bring to the table. We're all a body, but we all have different gifts. Welcome team, coffee, pastor. We all have different things to bring and we all need to be together as a family. But outside the four walls, guys, just go after Jesus. Tell people, like, tell someone this week, Jesus loves you. Someone that hasn't heard the name of Jesus, just tell them, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. And I do believe we'll see lives being transformed. So, yeah, just go after Jesus. We all have. We all have. Wow. Wow, thank you. Uh, I'm sure you've caught the spirit and the heart behind this young couple. Forget that they're related to us. Well, Nathan will be related shortly. Um, he's kind of halfway there. But, you know, the, these guys here run after God, and it challenges me. Um, for those of you who were here last Sunday morning, um, I played a, a clip. Dave played for me a, a clip of Carrie Louise praying, and it was one minute long, and that reduced me to tears. It challenged me because I want what she has, and I want what they have. And your love is great. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com.